sight, Michael, I never see it. I never think about it. I know none of you are that way. Um, it might as well be in the deepest, darkest sea if I cannot look at it. But I uh, appreciate Michael always looking out for me, and I do have a mic that you can hear me well with, and I think you'll be glad of that as we go through a, a message this morning on glory. Uh, it is based on the same passage of Scripture, basically we had in Sunday school. Um, it, it is built around uh, uh, the verse uh, 14, the last verse of our Sunday school lesson today, uh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of what? Grace and truth. Ooh, have we sung about it? Have we prayed about it? Have we thought about it? Have we studied it today? And oh, yes, we have. And that's one of the great, great verses in all of Scripture. For we have beheld. Now, now you take John as writing this, this verse in, in his gospel. And he says... The apostle, the youngest of the apostles, the one that the scriptures mention perhaps Jesus loved the most. But he writes these words, we have beheld his glory. I wonder how long has it been since you have beheld his glory? It is something we need never take for granted. It is something that we need to search after every day that we're alive, looking around and recognizing the glory of God as, it, as it's poured out upon our lives and our families and people we know and our church and all different things. But basically glory, God's glory can be seen um, by the masses. But it's most valuable when it's seen by you. When you are able to truly recognize the glory of God upon your life. Now, glory is one of those words I, I dare say you would want to try to stand up now and put a definition on exactly what glory is. Um, and uh, I came with this. It's simple, but it works for me. You know, it's the goodness and the greatness of God. That's what glory is. When I see how good God is and how good God has been in my life, when I see how great he has been and how I see the greatness of God affecting and impacting the lives of so many almost every day in special ways, hey, listen, what better definition could there be for glory outside of his goodness and his greatness? We do serve a good God. We sing about it often. And we do serve a great God. How great our God is. Oh my goodness. And how bad and how rather dull and boring life would have been for me if I had never experienced God's glory. And because many people do not pursue God's glory... It's kind of like 
trying to, to find the grace of God, trying to discover the grace of God? Listen, there's no difference between that and, and, and trying to discover and trying to see and trying to, to recognize the glory of God all around us. And it's there if we will just take a moment to look for it. I, uh, I laid the foundation for this on, uh, on Wednesday night. Um, and uh, I seldom do this, but the fact that we only had four on Wednesday morning and two on Wednesday night, if you, a few six who are here, look, look around, most of you are, um, you can endure this for just a moment. Because I tell you, glory is something very special as we look at, 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 at the foundation, the Old Testament foundation of the glory of God that was going to manifest itself in the most incredible way it could ever manifest itself in this world. As the Word, the written, the living Word became flesh and He dwelt among us just like we have felt Him this morning in this service dwelling among us. And I began over in... Uh, well, it was just a Bible search that I often do. I, I go to my grave uh, studying and finding new things, or maybe not always new, but things to examine in a different sort of way. But over in Exodus 33, just listen. I don't want you to look there. We're going to go right back to John chapter 1, but uh, just, just listen. You know, if you just listen, God can speak sometimes uh, in, in mysterious ways, and and he just spoke to me so clearly as I was, I was just studying, just reading. Just. And this is, this is a conversation between Moses and the Lord as he was prepared to go back to Sinai with two new tablets of stone because he had broken the first ones. And that's what God told him. I... I there seems to me almost like there's a sermon in that thought. But this is what it says. Moses speaking to the Lord says, See, see, Lord, you say to me, bring up this people. Of course, talking about the promised land. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. I don't much like doing things alone either. I like doing things with folks. Hey, listen, coming out there and shaking your hand, hugging your neck is far more important to me than finding that microphone hidden down here under the poinsettia somewhere. That's what I do. That's who I am. But Moses is saying, God, I don't want to face this thing alone. And he says, now, therefore, I pray I have found grace in your sight. And Moses certainly had found that. Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. Boy, those are precious words. And then he said, God says to Moses, and God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. It will not be too much for you, because my presence will be there. 
And Moses responded to God, Please show me your glory. When's the last time you asked God to show you his glory? Most often we don't ask God to show us his glory. We just recognize it when we encounter that glory. A big part of my ministry uh, for the last year or two has been as Moselle Radke. Most of you probably don't even know who I'm talking about. One of the sweetest, most precious, one of the most godly members of this church who has sacrificed so many things for other people that you could not make a list long enough for how faithful she has been to so many, including her own family. But she has faced this battle over these years alone. If it had not been for Vicki, if it had not been for Carol, if it had not been for um, Elaine. I look over there to see Elaine. Elaine's not there. Uh, you know, there were just so many people that, that just walked with Ms. Moselle Radke from this church. And I grew to love her almost as a, you know, a present-day mother. She's a mothering soul. But guess who I left out? Her family. Her family would not call. Her family would not visit. Her family would not write. And even though she would plead for them to come, especially during this most difficult time, And so she had her daughter, who, of course, has been in a battle with cancer, who had come up finally to stay with her, and I think that's why she kept living. I really do believe, because her daughter came along by her side and along with these other ladies in the church, and it gave her a reason to wake up in the morning and a reason to experience life. And Angie called me yesterday afternoon and says, Pastor, I said, Mama's convinced that she's going to die, most likely today. And said, you think you could just come by? Now you might say, well, the pastor needs to go, and it's important that the pastor would be there, and, 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 and to share everything he knows to share, and to encourage those hearts, and it is. All of that is it's important. But let me tell you, a pastor's not like a family. I try to be. I've tried to be a son to her because she had no contact with her sons. She had little or no contact with her daughter. She had not seen any of her grandchildren in forever. And when I walked into that house yesterday afternoon, there was her daughter, her son, her daughter-in-law, her grandson from Charleston and her granddaughter. I seldom see the glory of God fall upon a life like I saw yesterday. 
Oh, how Ms. Radke stayed faithful to her God as a lonely widow whose heart was breaking day after day after day. And she came to what she thought would be her last day. And the glory of God shined down upon that little 70-pound lady propped up in her bed, sipping on a little tea. As one by one, they walked through that room telling her how much she meant to them. That son who would not come, who would not call, sitting there on a stool weeping, because his mother was about to leave this world. But I'll tell you when the glory really fell as her granddaughter, she probably was in her <clears throat> maybe early 20s. Her name was Nicole. And she began to, she was the last one in the room. And she began to talk to Ms. Radke with her eyes fixed on her grandmother's eyes. And there was a joy. There was a glory that was revealed in that moment that both of them so desperately needed. And so did this preacher who preaches today on the glory, the goodness, and the greatness of God. All she wanted, all Ms. Radke wanted, all she ever asked for, was to see her family before she died. And yesterday was that day. And so it is that Moses says, Please, Lord, show me your glory. And so the Lord said to Moses, cut two more stones, tablets of stones, and in the morning we're going to go up on Mount Sinai. And when they got on top, it's a longer story. You could read it in 33 and 34 of Exodus, but it's a longer story. Um, the Lord uh, passed before Moses, and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness, and in truth. Can you imagine the glory that would fall upon your life if you're a friend of God and God would speak personally one-on-one -on -one with you and he would reveal that to you which he had just revealed to Moses. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, and in truth. And then the Lord said this. Behold I make a covenant. Before all of your people. And I will do marvels. Such as have not been done. In all of the earth. Nor in any nation. And all the people among. Whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome 
thing that I will do with you and for you. That's glory. That's what that is. That's the promise of glory. I will make a covenant of glory with you that you are going to see some wonderful, some awesome, some amazing things. You're going to understand my love. You're going to understand my grace. I'm going to give to you my truth both in a book and in the power of the Holy Spirit that will one day indwell in you. That's what he was saying to Moses and all of the generations that were to follow. 2,000. 2,000 years later. Now, you say, well, how long is 2,000 years? Well, Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. But this was 2,000 years before Jesus ever came. That God was establishing this, co this covenant of glory with all the descendants of Moses and the children of Israel and, of course, the descendants of Abraham, of whom the part of believers is the body of Christ. Those of us who have discovered that the only way to salvation is by faith. Because God counts that faith to us as righteousness just like he did for Abraham. And one of those, one of those was John. And you know, when you look at the Gospel of John, there are many things you can say about it. But John had something to say about this Bible and what he had heard from the very lips of the living word and what he had read from the pages of the written word and he says in verse 14 of chapter 1 of John and we beheld his glory don't that let, you, let that get past you in terms of one of the most philosophical, uh, one of the most powerful statements that has ever been written in the English or in any language at all probably came through the Greek uh, that is written in John chapter 1. And you see there as verse 14 starts, and the word, the word in the Greek was a philosophical word that really sought to express, and certainly John uses it that way, to express the, the, the very being of God. And that's what this book is really all about. It is about us understanding and recognizing and attempting to express in its fullest extent just who God is and where did my mic go? Michael, we are going to have to change this thing or something. I'm going to put it up here like a rod and reel and I'm going to lay it on this pulpit, and I'm going to pray that when need be, it will reel me in. Amen? Um, but, uh, you know, for a guy that depends on these things, to, and they have big hooks on them, I never, see, I preached for years and never had a hook that would hook to a man's 
Satan, that's not a part of the glory of God. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to just stand right here. Mike, you got the, I mean, Michael, you got this, this, this uh, uh, microphone on. But we go back to the Word and understanding that it is uh, the fullest and the most complete um, way of expressing who God is. Now, John was wrestling with this very thing. He wrestled with it all of his life and throughout of his ministry. Uh, matter of fact, he does probably the most beautiful job of expressing uh, the re reality of who God is over in 1 John chapter 4. And he makes it very simple to us. God is love. If you don't know God loves you, then you're not going to see his glory. And if you're not going to understand his glory, you're probably never going to receive that love. Not because God, God does not want you to receive it, but because you simply choose to reject God's presence and what God is attempting to do in this world in which we live. And so John says over there in 1 John 4, God is love, and this is the love of God that was revealed toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. I tell you what, I have no life without Jesus Christ. There is no life worth living without Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may have forgotten that. Some of you may have never recognized that. Some of you may say, preacher, I don't believe that. Well, it's time for you to believe it, and it's time for you to understand that there is nothing in this world compared to Jesus Christ living through your life. And, of course, it's given to us, and, and it's described to us in terms of the Scriptures and in terms of the reality of the Word becoming flesh that we are able to see and we're able to understand this glory and we're able to receive the grace and the love and the faith and all of the other things that, that makes this life that we live worth living. And so he says to begin this, this chapter, and I'm not going to go through all of it because you're very familiar with it. He says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Hey, listen, I find God in this book every single day. And I find God in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is empowered by the Holy Spirit living and abiding in me every single day. Boy, if we don't know who God is, then how in this world are we going to receive him and his revelation that has been given to us in this world? And when we stand before God one day, we're not going to have an excuse. He sent us the Bible. He sent us his son. He sent us the Holy Spirit. What more can you ask God to do than that? And that's what this is all about. Understanding that in the beginning, the very beginning, the, the word uh, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You cannot separate those things. And that's what he is saying in verse 14. In the word... And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what it's all about. It's about a little baby boy. It was about a message to some, to some uh, uh, you know, to some shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord, my goodness, this little baby laying in the manger. Oh, yes, that's who he is. 
You see, some people don't want to believe that. He was born of a virgin. My goodness, I don't want to accept that. I don't believe it at all, even though that's what the Word tells me, and even though that's what the Holy Spirit convicts me of. How disappointing Christmas must be to those who do not know that the Word became flesh through a little, tiny baby boy. Wow. Became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Now, that glory was something. Uh, let me just, this will probably make you shout. If you don't understand it, you're probably not going to shout, but it might make me shout, but it ought to make you shout, so I'm going to just read it to you. Verse 4 of chapter 1. In Jesus, in the word, was life. Either you got it or you don't got it. And you're only going to get it from one place. And that was the word that became flesh. You're not going to get it anywhere else. You're not going to find it anywhere else. There's nothing to life outside of that personal relationship you're going to have with him. And in him was life, and life was the light of the world. The darkness simply fades away. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, mm, goodness gracious, did not comprehend it. How many people walk in here today and don't have a clue what I'm talking about? Probably the majority of people in America, by a large um, uh, number, majority, it would certainly be true in the world. They have no idea. They have no idea about the love, the light uh, that overcomes the darkness of this world and there's enough darkness that we could probably never extinguish it or enlighten it if it weren't for the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, that's not the worst part. This passage actually goes on to tell us that uh, this was the true light. <laughs> not just any old kind of light. It's not like walking around with a candle. We like to think about if we had a candle in a dark place that it would light it up. Yes, it would. But this is no average candle we're talking about here. We're talking about the word that became flesh. We're talking about God himself coming on a visitation for us and for our salvation that we might have life and we might have it abundantly and we may have it eternally. And so that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Every person has an opportunity to respond to the light. If it's no more than the sun going up in the morning, the sun coming down, and the moon coming up, and the moon going down, listen, we have an opportunity because, listen, the person we're talking about, the word that became flesh, he was there in the beginning, the very beginning, as it says, and all things were through him and without him. Nothing was made except through him. Hey, you can't escape it. You can't go anywhere else to try to discover what this world is all about when it comes to darkness and light. But it gets even worse than this. For you see, he was in the world. You know, we've been talking about in the world, in the world, in the world the last three weeks. And Jesus overcoming the world, our faith being the victory that overcomes the world. And all of these things about the world and how it's been a battle between those who accept God and those who reject God since Adam and Eve in the garden. And will continue until Jesus establishes his kingdom on this earth. 
That's just the way it is. That's the story of darkness and light. But Jesus, the word was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world does not know him. Do you know him? I mean, do you really know him? Do you hunger to know him better every single day of your life? Do you turn to the written word? Do you turn to the living word so that you might know God and who God is and what God is up to and be able to recognize the glory of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the greatness of God all around you when you see it? That's the question. So, he was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own. He was a Jew. Who did he come to? He came to his own people. He came to Galilee. He came to Judea. He came to Jerusalem. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You know what they said? They drug him out before Pilate. You know what they said? You know what they were screaming all in the streets of Jerusalem that day? Crucify him! Crucify him! We have no God! No emperor! No one that we are to to, to observe or to try to change places with the political powers of this world. No! No! Crucify him because we are only going to serve this world and this world alone. They paid an incredible price for that decision. They did not receive it. people of God who had a special relationship with God were cast to the ends of the earth. Now the Bible says that they, they would come back and many of them will. It started in 1947 if you want to be a history person. But even that Just another fulfillment, just another demonstration of the glory of God. His own did not receive him, but. Don't you like that word in scripture? Down at verse 12, probably one of the most important verses in my life. That I read and understood for the first time on the morning after I got saved. But as many has received Jesus, the word who came in the flesh. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege, the power to become a child of God, to believe in his name. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a grand thing. That's glory. 
when the power of God comes into your life and allows you to believe the very thing that we are talking about today and who we are talking about today, it will transform your life. You will never forget the day that you received Jesus Christ. What does he say? But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. You know what begotten means? I talked to you about it when we were back in 1 John chapter 5 here a week or two ago. You know where it said over there, it says, uh, Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot uh, also loves him, who is begotten by him. You know what that is? That is being born as a child of God. You're going to love the one who begot you, the one who transformed you into the, by the love of God, and you are also going to love all of those people who are also begotten of him. All of those, every one of you who are a Christian today, everyone who is a believer and a follower of Christ, that's who we're talking about, people who have been born of God. Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must what? Be born again. Oh, people scoff at that. Let me tell you, you have to be born again. There is no other way to experience the fullness of salvation and the promises that God has for you. You've got to receive that which God has revealed to you in the written word, in the living word, and through the spiritual word that the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart. So, we're back to where we started. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Christmas. That's what it is. The word became a little boy in a manger in Bethlehem who was going to grow up immersed in the word, knowing God better and better every day and knowing what God's will was for him that he would be without sin but would go to an old rugged cross and be tortured and be killed and take our place and to bear our sins that we might be saved. That's what it's talking about. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. All we've talked about this morning is glory, 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 glory. Every good thing that God has done, every great thing that God has done, everything that he told or was told to Moses that God spoke. He says, listen, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed 4,000 years ago, Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, which oftentimes is translated grace and truth. All of those things you have, and as long as you have them, you will continue to see God's glory, and God's glory will continue to travel through this world with you, and he will give you a peace and a rest that you cannot possibly understand.
the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. Jesus was the first fruits. He at one time was the only human being, the only person who had ever truly been born of God. 